Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, Glenn. Today we're going to be talking about Australian film. <clears throat> Certainly uh, with this particular topic, we could talk uh, for an inordinate amount of time, but uh, maybe you'd like to start us off. I think talking about the Australian film industry, Glenn, is, um, as you say, a huge parcel mm. to talk about. Um, I can't believe how much the film industry in Australia has evolved. Now, Australians, mm. if you travel anywhere in the world, people, I think Australians are the most, the easiest race to characterise caricature and mm. stereotype. And I think in the early years of the Australian film industry, that was definitely the case. Um, with many, what films? Oh, many mm. listeners would not remember even... I, I grew up with films like, like Smiley and mm. what have you. And uh, certainly we loved to send ourselves up mm. with sort of comic characters, particularly male, not to be taken seriously, mm. like Baza McKenzie, etc., etc. Crocodile Dundee. Yes, but say more mm. recent times. Mm. I think mm. Crocodile Dundee, which was mm. made back in... In 1986, uh, really was a cultural phenomenon um, in Australia as well as worldwide. I think mm. it was number two in terms of box office takings back in 86 because that particular character of Crocodile uh, Dundee had such a strong impact, his character and, and uh, the way he reflected the Australian character, mm. which is not uh, obviously not necessarily a true representation of, uh, of an Australian, but it was, as you say... The stereotype. It was a stereotype, and I don't know how many people out there um, beyond Australia still believe that the typical Australian male is very, um, you know, one that cracks hardy, one that is brave, perhaps a bit silly brave, can do anything, has absolutely no culture about him. But I think in recent years I've been amazed at the quality of, of films, and I think partly that has come about by us seeing ourselves in far more complex ways mm. than stereotypes. Well, certainly with the Australian film industry, uh, they go through, it goes through certain periods. Mm. There's uh, mm. certainly down periods and I suppose more re recently um, a renaissance period of Australian film. Mm. Uh, in Australia, roughly 20 films are produced per year. I'm not mm. sure how many uh, Hollywood films are produced Per year, most probably a thousand, as a guess. Mm, mm. But uh, certainly, uh, the market uh, the market share that Australian film um, possesses is is quite minimal. Mm, mm. And <clears throat> in terms of box office takings for Australian films, it's roughly five percent, five percent of box office takings per year in Australia. Mm, and mm. certainly, uh, Hollywood films um, have their cultural cultural dominance. Absolutely. I think that the difference, a lot of the difference um, that I can discern between Hollywood films, as you say, and Australian films of recent years, and we're maybe talking about the last four or five years, um, is that clearly Australian films have nowhere near the budget that Hollywood films provide. And I think the perfect example of a highly successful film that was made on a very tight budget is the castle. Mm, or the castle, however you want to pronounce it. The castle or the castle. <laughs> mm. That particular film um, starred Eric Banner. Eric Banner, uh, since he made that film, went on to, uh, to other large-scale Hollywood productions. Mm. But um, one of his Australian films was the, the, the Castle. And that particular film was made for a budget of 500,000 uh, Australian dollars. 
which is roughly, we'll say, 350,000 US dollars. Mm -hmm. And that was made in the space of 11 days. Mm -hmm. That particular film was very well received in Australia, but um, it wasn't uh, universally appreciated because it it exhibited a certain kind of Mm humour. You'd have to label it as Australian Mm humour, which uh, wasn't recognised by uh, by foreigners. Well, I suppose I, I imagine um, it wasn't the director's intention mm. to make it sort of some spectacular world movie. I mean, it was basically about an extremely working class suburban family. From, I think it was set in Broadmeadows, wasn't it? Mm. Which is a, mm. a northwestern, um, very working class suburb of Melbourne, and it basically typified one very deep-seated Australian belief is that um, a man's home is his castle. Mm. And even though they were threatened, they wanted to demolish the Kerrigan's home to build another runway at the airport. Um, This very, you know, you know, very uneducated family and family man fought for the right to preserve his own home. But there's a lot of humour involved in that. Very mm. Australian humour, I think. And it really is about uh, ref- about self-image. Mm. The fact that mm. uh, Australians appreciate um, the little Aussie, Aussie battler. Mm. Mm. And the little, mm. the little Aussie battler or the underdog is the individual that, uh, that we want mm. to win against mm. uh, against the government or any form of authority. Absolutely. Mind you, I've always thought how successful would Daryl Kerrigan have been had he not perchance met that high-flying QC that actually fought the battle for him, for him. really. Mm. But it was a wonderful movie. I, I love the whole um, Bonnie Doon, going to Bonnie Doon and mm. what have you. But I suppose in more recent times uh, with the Australian film industry, there's been a lot of what they label gloomy movies. Mm, uh, gloomy mm, movies mm. have been produced. I suppose films that have dark themes and mm. each of the characters is not stereotypical mm, in mm. any way. And certainly these films have been recognised in overseas markets because they've been purchased and distributed in uh, in foreign in foreign markets. But I suppose one that comes to mind is Jindabyne. Mm, and Jindabyne mm. was made uh, fairly recently. It had uh, a, a, part, part, a part of the, of the cast was foreign. There was Gabriel Byrne, who's Irish, and Laura Linney, who was American. And I suppose they had uh, both of those stars because you know, they do have that star quality mm, and they mm. have that marketing element. So I suppose Australian films can be, can be heard a little bit more. But this particular film was uh, premiered at the Calm Film Festival and was certainly uh, well recognised and very well reviewed in uh, in Australia. I absolutely love that movie. I think it's it's just exquisite. It it, it has so many sort of levels to it um, of relationships. Um, I'm not sure whether the listeners realise that it was based on a very famous Raymond Carver, American Raymond Carver short story called. Um, so much water so close to home. Mm. And, you know, briefly, a woman is murdered. Um, her body was is left to float down river and a group of men um, go off bush go up bush to do have a fishing trip for a weekend and when they find her, they basically tether her in the river so she won't float anymore and go on with their fishing mm. trip mm. rather than go back and report it. So they do report it when they return home on the Monday. But that is not sort of... That is the sort of, I suppose, opening incident. But what the film is trying to show is 
the betrayal that the surrounding characters feel, that they feel that they, they actually knew their partners, they knew them, um, and how they could actually basically forget or not tend to a mm. person that had died in a really horrible way actually ruptures the relationships um, fairly severely. It's I think it's a real sign of typical now of the complexity of relationships we're seeing in Australian movies. In Australian movies. Mm. Uh, the same director of Jindabyne, Ray Lawrence, he made a, another film back in 2001 called uh, Lantana. Mm. Uh, Lynn hasn't seen this particular movie. But, no. Uh, I suppose the theme is equally as dark in Lantana. Once again, at the beginning of the film, there uh, is a dead body amongst a lantana weed, which is uh, a weed which uh, a weed which is prevalent in uh, suburban Sydney. And I suppose that particular plant, it's a metaphor for uh, the kind of relationships or the intertwined mm. relationships mm. that exist in this particular film. Mm. And once again, you've got you know, a very strong cast. You've got Anthony Lopalia and, and Jeffrey Rush and Barbara Hershey, who, uh, who is American. But the nature of the story is very complex and uh, in, in, in any respect, not in any respect, is it, uh, is it stereotypical or, um, you know, it's a very original Australian film. I really do like films that make you come away thinking, well, I'm not sure whether I like or dislike this character or that character. Mm. Like, they're not black and white anymore. Mm. They have, um, as all human beings do, they have faults and they always have redeeming qualities as well. They're dysfunctional, but at the same time quite normal. And likable. And likable. Mm. Mm. And like, and forgivable. Mm. I think that's really important. Have you seen Look Both Ways? Uh, I saw it a couple of years years back, and I know it was very very well received by the Australian public as well as the critics. But I don't know it was a, a topic which didn't uh, particularly appeal to me, or it was a film that did, didn't particularly appeal to me. Really? Why did you like it so much? I loved it actually more, not so much for the storyline, but for the um, style of cinematography in mm. it. The mm. fact that um, one of the main characters says she constantly sees death everywhere. Mm. And the way they show that is through actual animation. animation. Mm. And it's 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 so in your face when mm. you see that. It's almost scary it's so in your face. Like especially the opening scene where she predicts something happening with the train and the boy walking by the train. Um, and it's, it's, it's a film you have to sit at the back of the cinema to see, I think. It is just so powerful. But again, it's a bit like, it's got its similarities to what you've told me about Lantana in that there is an extensive number of characters in this film and all their lives touch each other in some way. Mm. Um, I I just think it's a wonderful movie and I think um, actually the main character, Nick, is played by William McGuinness and it was actually his wife, Sarah Watt, that wrote, wrote the, screenplay? the movie. Okay. Yeah. Wrote, mm. wrote it mm. with him in mind, but because she had just discovered that she had breast cancer. Mm. So it was all this um, dealing with your own mortality and mm. how they do that. And I think it's really well done. Mm. Very good. Okay, the last film that we'll mention for today's podcast is Wolf Creek. And this is a film that both Lynn and I haven't seen. 
But why are we mentioning it? I think because uh, it really is, it was, I suppose, a, a very popular film last year, most probably one of the biggest hits um, in mm. Australia. But the nature of the material for me is... It's just uh, the nature of the violence and the storyline mm-hmm. is something that doesn't appeal, but uh, is, a, is appealing for a number of, uh, of Australians. Well, it's, it's based on the true story, isn't it, of mm. Ivan Milat, mm. who was a serial killer, who is a serial killer, but he's now in jail, mm. um, who actually mm. murdered many backpackers mm. was finally caught up with. So I suppose the movie sort of works on, for starters, it's based on fact and um, is probably, you know, a very edgy, suspenseful movie, but just mm. just like you, it's not the sort of story I like to go and see. We read enough about it in the papers. Mm. But even before... Um, we made this podcast today. We're talking about another film called Chopper, mm, uh, mm. about uh, a violent um, criminal in our society mm. who is still amongst us. And his name's Chopper Reed, and he's published mm. maybe six or seven books mm. about uh, his thoughts and uh, uh, he's a, the kind of acts that he's committed against mm, other mm. individuals in society. And there was a film that was made a few years back, once again starring. Uh, Eric Banner, and I suppose that was a role which um, put him onto uh, the universal stage because mm-hmm. his role or his acting was excellent in that in that particular film. Mm-hmm. But uh, once again, a film that I haven't seen, mm, and nor do I want to. And I think it is partly because, as I was saying before, Glenn, that I don't want like Chopper Reed himself had a lot of input in that film. Mm. It was almost like he was sort of director's assistant, and I felt that someone that was so cruel, so violent and basically so evil was not going to get a cent out of my pocket. Mm. He wasn't going to get any more kudos Mm. than he already had. Do you find that there's an irony now that we're promoting him over the internet? Yeah, there is. Don't go and see it. No, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's the end of today's podcast. Once again, thanks very much for listening to us. Um, There's a transcript up on the site again, www.worldlanguagespodcasting.com. And once again, you'll find a page of exercises as well as the entire transcript of uh, our conversation today. Thanks for listening and hear from us next time. Thank you, Glenn.